Welcome to the fourth pillar of play, a night shift radio production, where we support your adventure in tabletop game design by discussing, learning, and creating right alongside you. And good evening, all. Welcome to this veritable cornucopia of discussion. Yeah, where we can breathe. Yes, we can breathe. Yesterday we can we breathe. The breathe. fog has been lifted. The fog has the been lifted. The mists have cleared. So, yes, anyone listening, we are in central New York, as you probably know, and it has been veritably yellow outside the past two days. Yeah, apparently we were the most affected ups, uh, like northeastern region from the fallout from the canadian fire so i'm well i think we're probably the second most affected after the actual canadians well yeah (laughs) yeah maybe maybe i don't know they i don't know what's worse they're being polite they're not really but in all seriousness yeah very sorry to everyone who's suffering over in canada and we hope that everything i hope for rain yeah i hope you get some rain i hope you get some rain right i always hope for rain and um but yes it's been it's been less than stellar outdoor conditions lately Today, the air quality says, uh, don't go out if you have asthma, basically, yeah. which is a big improvement. Yeah, over like, the air is toxic. Also, I do IT over at the school, and yesterday our vape detectors were going bananas all day. So anybody who thinks you can get past the vape detectors, you I guess they, I guess they actually work. I, just didn't, <laughs> I always had my doubts, but they're working on some chemical level i always just thought they did moisture in the air well they told us to keep all the windows shut just for the smoke alarms yeah yeah that's true wild yeah that is true how big is the fire well it's setting off smoke alarms a country away (laughs) a whole country away yeah and a a great lake or two oh my goodness but (sighs) um but yeah um we have today we had we had some things we wanted to, to think about over the intervening week between our last episode and, episode and this episode, yeah. and we wanted to talk a little bit more about our ideas for some background lore for Iliastrians, and then try to bring that to the table and talk about mechanically what those might look like right. for character creation purposes, mm-hmm. and then maybe a, a random thought or two about things that we've noticed in the RPG world this week. Yeah. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Does that sound good to you all out there? I, I'll take was, that as a yes. It was so much enthusiasm. I know. It was, it, was resou- it, was, it was deafening, thundering. Right. You, you shouldn't get that excited while driving. I know. Like seriously, that. calm down. Easy. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah. Eyes on the road. Eyes on the road. No. <laughs> Don't try to back up. Don't hit the back up 15 seconds. <laughs> um. So yeah. So Iliastrians, we talked through uh, the idea for a race. So in a nutshell, what we came up with for the idea of Iliastrians is... In a world that is inundated with the kind of magic that is created by perception, Mm -hmm. people perceived that there must be some sort of being in the verge. Yeah. And because they all believed it and all feared it, it came to be. Right. Yeah. With enough uh, conviction. So Intelligent being. There's always been like animals and stuff like that, but... Right. And they they know better. Um, But yeah, the... You know, we made Iliastrians are kind of like Bigfoot and Wendigo and all these things. Bigfoot, like, Wendigo, and Swamp real. Thing. Yeah, made, made real. real. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Manifested. And then they come out and they're like, Hi, everyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And everyone screams and run away and they're like, Is it something I say? Yes. You said hi. <laughs> uh, which is, I just think, a cool concept. And, yeah. Um, I envisioned them as, as extra large, not like size wise, but like still medium. But Maybe with that powerful build thing, I yeah. I, des- I thought of them as being very large, uh, swamp thing looking 
Sons of Guns, and right um, with there are a combination of rocks and plants and moss and fungi, all kind of like yep, and dirt all bundled up into an anthropomorphic personification. Yeah, so they have all the pieces of the revergent track, yes. except for we decided this week the faunal. So that was a discussion we had in our yep. homework week. Yeah, yep. so we have decided that people would not, and this is right. You came up with this, yeah, because you're because you're, you're brilliant. <laughs> Uh, people would not perceive Iliastrians as being anthropomorphic animals because they're already used to seeing anthropomorphic animals. Right, that's not a thing they fear. That's yeah. a, that's their neighbor. You yeah, know exactly. what made me think of it is I saw a clip of Zank from... Freeing the uh, tabaxi child. Freeing the tabaxi, and everyone was just kind of living. Like, oh, my neighbor's a tabaxi. My other neighbor's a dragonborn. You know, my other homeless neighbor's, guy is a dragonborn. Yeah, yeah. A, a homeless dragonborn was yeah. really, really... Yeah. My favorite was the gif thief. Yeah. Oh, you see one. for less than a second. But they put him in. Yep. Chris Pine trips up a gif. It's either a gif or a gif. Or no, yeah. it's a gif. Gif. They don't make them radically different enough, so that's on them. Yeah. Um, that was a good, not to too much off, but that was a really nice aspect of that D&D movie is they really showed the variety of species mm-hmm. and just the, no one thought twice about it. Everyone just lives together. That's, that's And the they strategically they used them. This mm-hmm. is the other thing. Like They used them strategically so that they could have, most of our background actors are humans. Yeah, and that's okay yep. because we remember they brought out the special races for iconic moments. Jarnathan. So exact Jarnathan. Yeah. So when we think about it, we go, "Oh, that's right. No, there was Aarakocra, there was dwarves, there was elves, there mm-hmm. was Tabaxi, there was a Gif, yeah. there was all this other stuff." And if you look at the ratio, it's probably like five percent not human, ninety five percent human. But we remember yeah. the other species showing up because they were featured. Yeah, they mattered. Yeah, which then made them just stand out, except for the Gif. Who just gets tripped up? And you just, just gets tripped. You just by see him, that, and you're like, yeah. "I want to know what that gith makeup looked like." Like, I just want yeah. like a behind the she- behind the scenes shot of the gith. Yeah, that's it, probably on like a Blu-ray somewhere. Well, I have the Steelbook Blu-ray downstairs. Yeah, I should probably, probably look at there. the special features. They would probably. I was cover. hoping for a commentary, but I don't think there is one. Hmm. Those guys would have fun fun commentary. That'd be fun commentary. Um. So, but yeah, Iliastrians. Yeah. So the again, we we decided to leave Faunal off, and thematically, it made sense. So they're just going to be a combination of stone, plants, fungus, and dirt. Right. And then that'll be up to the player to decide whether they want to focus, you know, Mm -hmm. if they have a vision in their mind of something more mycelial. Because we did say we wanted to have subspecies breakdowns like the uh, Ganassi. Right. So there's going to be Iliastrians, and then the sub-breakdowns are floral, mineral, mycelial. Yep. All right. So what... I mean, so this... So what I did was on one of my many vaunted creativity car trips came up with like way like a ton of lore. Yeah. The Iliastrians really ended up becoming very significant in my you, mind. You tied the Iliastrians to some deep, deep lore of the world. Yeah, because I... Well, like we developed world lore based on your Iliastrian ideas, <laughs> right. which just a statement on creativity was yeah. really cool. We're like, oh yeah, we're going to go back and we're going to retcon some of the world history that's that, just between you and I. Right, yeah, because then... You know, aren't I, you all jealous? You don't get to know what we were talking about. I know that you're be, all sitting there going, "Wait, what's the world history?" I'm not going to tell you. Yeah, um, there. Well, so that really kind of spun out of my my thinking that the Iliastrians have a have developed again. The most fun aspect I think of the Iliastrians is that they have been here forever in their mind. Yes, they think they've been here forever culturally, and they've been there quite some time. Sure, right, couple, several hundred years. Yeah, but culturally, they think they go all the way back to the beginning, and they're wrong. And uh, or yeah. are they? Or are they? You know, <laughs> in my mind, I, I imagine that they just sprung up because of the perception. But right. But once that becomes 
then once they're manifested, did it manifest them back through time? Well, so in order to cover that idea in my head, that's why I came up with the because we had we've discussed in the pack what happened in the past what happens to the souls because they can't escape they can't into go another anywhere. plane. Yeah, so, I've always thought in my head they just become Iliaster. Right. And 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 that was fine too, but then I kind of thought about well, what if they kind of are still there and Iliastrians are they utilize them? That's what drives them. Because mm-hmm. I could even see it if everyone believes there's something out there enough, and the concept kind of catches fire that oh no, what you know, you know, my husband died a week ago, but he can't go to I don't know Valhalla, right? He can't move. He can't move on. Where is he? He's here. And then like this perception of, well, what if he gets born into, you know what I mean? Like, I just like the idea that the Mm -hmm. souls are kind of hanging out there and the people kind of gave the world the idea, well, let's use all this extra juice and personality or whatever and energy. Um, And then what I played with is that they share memories, that they're able to bring in the memories of the various souls they use. So this this was the lore aspect. When you told me about this, I got really excited. I love this idea that souls become part of the world. They become part of the pool of Iliaster, sort of like I thought about like the evaporative cycle of water. Mm-hmm. You know, you die, your soul gets evaporated, it gets, you know, in the the miasma of the magical sphere of this world, right. eventually kind of turns into Iliaster, which then ends up back in the world via rain, it mm-hmm. via anything. It just kind of like magically kind of resuffuses itself. Right. But you still your soul is part of all of that stuff that's threaded through all of the creation mm-hmm. and all the people, yeah. but out there is still your soul. And because you, it was you, that made it special. You bound that magic that was you together. Mm-hmm. And so even as Iliaster, it wants to stay together. Right. And so an Iliastrian has their own personality. They have their own thing, but they have this, because of all this absorption of various, they have this shared belief in their existence that goes on. And I, I really liked, I played, I like that. Everyone else calls it the sevenfold storm. Yes. But the Iliastrians know it as the severing storm mm-hmm. because that's what, what in their, in their beliefs, that's what happened. They, they feel they know what happened at the beginning of time, which was a conflict between the uh, world, the world. And, um, well, the world basically shut itself off like as a medical response. Yeah, to make sure that what was, and you know, along with, again, you can get as philosophical as you want, but you know, the cosmos and the world shut themselves off to lock away aberrations specifically from having access to pure Iliaster. Mm -hmm. Right. Because of what they could do with it and what kind of a grotesque imbalance it caused. And then we also had the idea there that spun out of that where Iliaster used to be a different substance until Mm -hmm. this conflict that occurred and it, it tied well to other stuff we had said so we've always mm-hmm. said that the 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 presence of iliaster creates an alien eldritch mm-hmm. nature in this right. world and we've always tried to explain it as being very dangerous and weird and unnatural sort of like again coming back to the annihilation um right the southern yep. reach trilogy yeah and but your idea dovetailed backwards and then thought of how to make that possible. So if we look at it from a very simple elevator pitch world history of Estrock, Estrock is the battery of the cosmos from which the manifestation of creational energy exists. Mm -hmm. Everything that's created comes from this stuff. And this world is the battery through which it is stored and then parceled out and then pulled back in Mm -hmm. throughout the cosmos. Yeah. Now, aberrations. Let's use shorthand. Yeah. Cthulhu finds this world. Yep. Starts sending emissaries. The world starts fighting back. In that process, other worlds start discovering it. Mm-hmm. And then there's this gold rush. Everyone's coming to this world. The planet is freaked out. The aberrations send 
Cthulhu. Cthulhu comes themselves. Yeah, now it's they come in force. They come in force. Aberrations come in force. Demons and devils come in force. And unknown, un, unaware of all of that, mm-hmm. humans, tabaxi, goblins, gith, whatever. Everyone come, that can hop on a everybody spell jammer that's not, or whatever. Yeah. Everybody that's not intellectual property of some other company <laughs> right, comes yes. over, yep. and then the world goes, ah, the infection has spread, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and cuts it off. Yep. And because of that, because the big thing that came over, the big thing, yep. is Cthulhu. Right, Cthulhu. And short, this was yeah. the first, this triggered the first manifestation of the primals that anyone knows right. of. Right, like the an world started, yeah, exactly. The world started manifesting uh, entities mm-hmm. in response to Cthulhu coming over. Again, yeah. not Cthulhu, but right. Cthulhu coming over. And so Cthulhu gets trapped with mm-hmm. everybody else yep. and poisons the world. Yeah, and poisons the world. And now maybe we, you know, and it's very easy. We can just think there's several of these worlds. There's sure. several battery yeah, this worlds. Is just, there's just one of them. Right. And so totally, so that we that's don't, why the other worlds aren't affected. Yeah, the world keeps, yeah, everything keeps going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Outside of Estrog. Mm-hmm. But Iliaster on this world is poisoned, which is what explains the eldric alien nature of right. the Verge. Because while we're thinking of this as all happening in close succession, it's happening on a cosmic scale, which means right. that it's happening over eons. Mm-hmm. So... The Verge being alien and eldritch and weird and dangerous is a result of Cthulhu, shorthand, Cthulhu poisoning the Iliaster of that world deep down in the darkness where he dwells or in the depths of the sea or whatever we decide. We don't know. Right. And Iliaster is now poisoned. Yes. And then you had the most brilliant brilliant idea about Iliastrians that I love. Which is that they, no matter what their personality is, mm-hmm. when they utilize a soul that's been pulled from the Iliaster... Uh, it literally brings it back into balance, cleanses it, makes it, removes it from the the Eldric Iliaster cycle. It's its own right. So, and what that reminded me of was like a plant cleans mm-hmm. the air or the yep. water. Yep. Plants are natural nature's filter. Yep. So, plant people would be the filters of magic and the soul. Mm-hmm. Which, and their belief is that overall, eventually, through their existence and their continued experience of life propagation and, and propagation to there in their mind, it's like, well, eventually we'll be able to take Astarok back. Yep. We'll, we'll one at a time through exist. We will purify, you know, in, in our own actions, purify and it's be able to- It's a long war, but it's one that will inevitably win. Yeah, war of attrition. You know, exactly. like eventually, like water will wear you down and, mm-hmm. and over time. So they had that- It'll erode away at the corruption. Yep. And then I had them come into direct conflict with Oregal and demons. Right. All the, Because once we, you know, because I always want to build something where the demons are utilizing soul, demons, devils, fiends, whatever, I don't know what our general term is. I wrote all three down. Um, Devorus. Devorus, yeah. So over time, you know, they utilize the souls in their, we'll say wicked magic for, for lack of a The demons story. and devils and the, the weird mixes of them, which mm. we, I, I came up with Devorus, yeah. Devorus, a yeah. neutral demon devil, yep. a neutral fiend. Um, are all utilize corrupted Iliaster. Yep. They utilize corrupted Iliaster. They utilize negated Iliaster, yep. the Nullamancer version. Mm-hmm. But the pure, the natural Iliaster. They can't use it. They don't like it. It doesn't work for them. It's it's harmful to them. And so they hate Iliastrians. Yes. Because Iliastrians, to them, are technically uh, reducing their armory. Yeah. You know, the more Iliash, you know. And well, again, and the demons and devils and divorces are not doing this out of altruism. Right. They they inevitably see a world where right now we know that powerful mortals mm-hmm. are aware of the de- of the fiends. Yep. 
and work with them covertly to keep aberrations in check. Yep. It's the great world secret that they, the people in power don't want the normal people to know. Right. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but the, so if you have this, this situation, but the demons and devils, they're, they're being utilized because they can keep, help keep the aberrations in check. Mm-hmm. But there's no illusions that if the aberrations disappeared tomorrow, right, then it would become mortals versus the yes. fiends. And the way I had it is that the primal, the nature primal basically tolerates Oregal because Oregal serves a function. Exactly. The, and I, I specifically also pointed in all this that the, the, the nature primal considers all the other living beings, I call it ants, ants. At, ants at the picnic. Yeah. You know, do whatever you want with them. You know, you handle them any way you want. Keep the aberrations in check. Yeah, the world itself is prioritized in terms of threat. Mm. Aberrations first, fiends second. Everything else is not consequential. <laughs> right. However, and I also, I also like the idea that it leaves this kind of hanging threat. Like, you can do what you want until you can't. Like, I like that the primal of nature is like, I'm not giving you any particular boundaries, but know that I have them. And as a, I, I don't know, I just and like there's no, and there's no way for this to be communicated because the primals don't communicate in that way. Mm-hmm. They're like barely sentient forces, right? Um, so I just like because it can contribute to whenever we get around to Oregal and um, I was calling the city the cauldron, yeah. But and whenever we get around to Oregal, it's this. I, I just like the idea that he's always trying to poke that fence and he's always aware. I like that mm-hmm. he's like a real... But he's always nervous he's going to go too far and then the world's going to turn on him. Yeah. He doesn't want to take the top spot as the top threat. Because he can't yet. Right, and exactly. He if he, he takes it, he'd be wiped yeah. out. Yep. So, and I actually, you know, we forgot one thing. It's hmm. it's the aberrations, the fiends, and then probably the god fragments. Yeah, the god fragments would kind of be sprinkled. I thought the I saw them as being sprinkled here and there. Yeah, you know, in terms of threat levels. Varying threat levels, yeah. They, they depends They're, on what they can pull off and connive. Exactly. Yeah. And then mortals just are nothing. Right. Iliastrians are just... The world is ambivalent toward them, but doesn't see them as harmful. Mm-hmm. So this is cool because it, this is just some of the lore we got. But the, the fact that they're reusing souls, that let's bring it to the table. Bring yeah. it to the table. Yep. If they are recycling and cleansing souls... By just living in by them. By just yeah. using them as the battery that powers their existence. Mm-hmm. They die. That soul is now cleansed. It can no longer be corrupted. Right. Etc. Now we've got two different. Now we've got three different kinds of Iliaster floating around. At in least. different yeah, so in, far exactly yeah. floating around in this world. And the idea that if we bring that to the table, when you're playing an Iliastrian, that means your soul is borrowed from someone who was here and died previously. And you know what's really cool about that? Hmm. Never said that it was someone who died in the past thousand years since the sevenfold storm. Yep, I thought that too. Maybe it's the soul of one of the giants that came before mm-hmm. from the Leviathan. From the colossal yep. expanse. What if totally. it's that's what exactly if it's, what I was thinking? What if there was something angry. that was ancient and gone when the giants came? Mm-hmm. You could play again the amount of story hook options for your character. Literally, background. you can create anything. It's so cool. Yeah. So mechanically, though, that would be there's two things you can do to kind of well, I, I immediately think of two things you can do. Yeah, you can do when creating a character, you can just at the most basic mechanical level grant a random skill and a random language. Yep. So if you have a random skill and a random language that represent skills from your past life. Right. Yeah. That's it's actually very everything everywhere all at once. Yes. Like let's let me grab a skill on, you know, that I didn't actually earn myself, but I'm able to hack into. And we should be specific, you know, we should be judicious with what you but like sure. choose a choose a skill to be proficient in. Choose and then you and choose a language that you're proficient in. But then I was also thinking about it like so tieflings have hellish rebuke, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They get hellish rebuke as 
uh, a spell they can cast. What if we find something equivalent? Maybe it's a spell that's, or maybe we make up a power that is advantage on, you know, a role play thing. Um, you get advantage on. I had I had written down advantage um, like once a day. This is what I wrote down um, on history, religion, or arcana checks. Yeah. See. Yeah, something that's like once a day you can use the or, or that, and that's like small enough mechanically that we can still add some other stuff. Yep. But having advantage, ADV, advantage on one of those intelligence checks. Mm-hmm. Um, once a day is huge, you know. Right. I don't know what this door lock even means. And the Iliastrian goes, "That was forged by the dwarves yeah. eight hundred years ago." Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. It says, and you can tie it to something. You can be like, maybe you when you pick your when you create an Iliastrian, write a short history of whoever it was that they were first. Yeah. I was a dwarven blacksmith. Mm-hmm. I was an elvish archer. Yeah, and then yep. lean into it as much as you want. Exactly. If you want it's, almost to have like a like a like a two personalities in one. If you want it, whatever you want to do, just mm-hmm. do it any way you want. That'd be very cool. It allows so, for a lot of charactery stuff. Yep. So we also said bringing it to the table, the Iliastrians, because they are created by the world. Pr- probably the Iliastrians are the only race immune to revergent roles. Yep. So they have a revergent immunity. Mm-hmm. And what else could we say? Uh, what else did I write? Well, here, down? tell I'm me more about what anything. you wrote. I'm just see if I your lore is so much better than mine. Well, this was my these are my trade ideas that I came I came up with. I think I told you earlier. If you were mineral based, you get a plus one AC boost. That's right. If you were mycelial because you're not dense, you're light. I gave a plus one dex bonus. Um, and if you're a plant, you could choose whether to have a bonus to your wisdom, charisma, or intelligence. And I, I that was depending on what you were playing. Sure, you know, sure, sure, like sure. If 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 having a, if you're a wizard, then you just pick intelligence, make yourself smarter. I don't know. These were just mm-hmm. ideas I threw out. Yeah, because we, are, in a, like I said, in a perfect world, when you play in Estorok, you you do a custom background. Mm-hmm. You add two to one, right? You know, one yep. to three or whatever. So let's say, so we have three subclasses. We have mycelial, and maybe each one has different stuff. Mm-hmm. For instance, I think the mycelial one should have dark vision. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Blind sight's too strong to give to a, a player race, in my opinion. I don't think any player races have blind sight. Correct. I say that, and that's what the sort of thing I'll get a comment on. Yeah, that's when somebody will say, oh, but they do. Um, I also had maybe kind of similar, I don't know. I also wanted to put up because I, I might forget, and it might come up in what we're, the direction we're going. I also thought it would be interesting if the, if they're in terrain that matches their Iliastrian form, it can't be presented as difficult terrain for them. Yes. Or they, or they um, well, what is it? Earth Ganassi get passed without a trace. Something like that. Um, yeah. And I also have down here, just because I like the sound of it, superior primal awareness. Superior primal awareness. Superior primal awareness. I don't okay. know. Like, so I don't wanna... know what that means. I just like the way it sounds. It would be cool to well, say. I thought maybe as a superior. once a day power, um, uh, you know, again, I'm just thinking like once a day is not necessarily something I'm married to. Mm-hmm. Um, the ability to commune with the earth. Mm-hmm. And see through the eyes of the world in mm-hmm. an area up to like a mile out. And be like, I, but I like the idea that if it's once a day, that it's like, they can be specific. Yeah. Like how many, you know, there's a tower, how many, how many, how many guys they got in there? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I just like the idea that they can find out exactly once a day. Doesn't mean they know the layout of the place, but they can get anything life related. Mm -hmm. They can get a clear, very clear. And that creates some cool, uh, blind spots. Mm -hmm. Cause maybe it doesn't recognize undead. Maybe it doesn't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Maybe a demon is a void. And a single demon they can recognize, but if you get enough of them, it's just they like don't. There's something blocking my vision. There's something I can't see something, and there's only a few things mm-hmm. that I can't see. Well, I, so I like the idea of them not being able to get lost if they're in their natural environment. Uh-huh. So that we could tie something to that. 
And um, my only problem with it was there is no fungal natural environment. Like, Caves. You know, yeah, underground. You, and then, so... Right. Do you give the same thing to the mineral then? But, I mean, that was my pro- uh, that was my one thing. And, and the only reason I even thought about that was because one time in one of our games, you had fungi be difficult terrain. I did. Yeah. So then I was just like, oh, Once well, fungi can be difficult in terrain. In two years. Right, exactly. So. <laughs> um, but you were also in like a really fungi infested place. Yeah. So it's like... What was it? It was a uh, Zygmatoy's little temple. Something like that. Zygmatoy's yeah, it was temple. like a... Um, but I mean, there's also nothing wrong with them having the same mineral and, and fungal having the same Well, advantage. they are sort of a mix. And yeah. maybe and maybe we go back and we say, you know, we don't need to have the subclasses version of it. Maybe it's just simpler to do them all as one and they're just a combination of them all. Right. Um, there should be something about hiding. They should yep. be easy to hide. Um, so maybe a bonus to stealth yeah in a natural environment um and a penalty i don't you know like there's all sorts of things we can do but we don't want to go off the rails with right this that would be something where we would sit and write a whole bunch yeah and then come up with a whole bunch and go well that's probably too much so what do we got we've got almost a duplicate and mm -hmm. so we've got stuff for stealth Mm -hmm. possibly stuff for movement i'm writing as i'm talking um knowledge checks based on their uh their soul and let's see knowledge checks and a skill or a language okay so stealth movement knowledge skill language now as i think about it so can we look at the kender again you've got the kender still in front of you because i think of that as one of the more recent right yep races now they have three abilities yep none of them do damage correct um well okay so not exactly uh taunt you have an extraordinary ability to fluster creatures as a bonus action you can unleash a stinging a string of provo- uh provoking words at a creature within 60 feet the target must succeed in a wisdom saving throw or has disadvantage on attack rolls against targets so it's vicious mockery right it's it's basically a compelled duel yeah the difficulty equals eight plus your profi- so that's the closest they come to causing harm Okay, so nothing, nothing like the hellish rebuke where you just get hellish rebuke as a can or as a spell to cast once a right. day. Right. Yeah. Um, I feel like the ability to cast what is it? There's some halflings that can cast druidcraft once a day. Yeah. I would. We should look through the cantrips. I wonder could they could their version? How does hellish rebuke work again? I'm gonna look it up right now. Because I'm seeing, so if hellish rebuke is, I'm assuming that's a reaction based on how I've seen it get used. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're a tiefling, um, you have dark vision, you have hellish resistance, you have resistance to a type of damage. I don't think mm-hmm. we need to do a resistance to a type of damage. No, that's fine. Um, yeah. Infernal Regacy, you know the Thaumaturgy cantrip, and when you reach third level, you can cast Hellish Rebuke as a second level spell once with this trait and regain the ability when you do so and finish a long rest. Though it does... It, wait, when well, you reach fifth level, you can cast Darkness spell? I don't know that Gita knows that. Does Gita know that? Gita gets a lot of stuff. Gita was first character for your very lovely wife. <laughs> and I can imagine it's a pretty overwhelming character and then, at this point. And then Langley so we could do um so no wait i'm sorry how does hellish rebuke work again hellish rebuke is someone uh hurts you and then you can as a reaction make fire burst up and punish them for hurting you what if just to totally crib on that iliastrians can reverge you well that's what i'm saying they they can make a singular revergent attack once a day they can concentrate that's the only thing i thought you can do a concentrated a concentrate like the thorn the thorn of Esterok. Right, yeah. And you can you can do a, a, a melee attack with a thorn. Yep. Or it's something, or they cause the world to strike you with thorns and infect you with Iliaster. Which would be really effective against, say, demons, because if they could strike you with, like, the purified 
strike a demon with like purified Iliaster, it's really gonna. Well, if we went the Tiefling route, that would mean you get a cantrip at third level, you get a spell, and at fifth level, a spell. So you get cantrip, third, and fifth. You get spells. Yeah. So we could, or we we could go the route of when you make you what you know once a day or a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. That's uh, usually a classic. Classic. Yep. A number of time equals to your proficiency bonus. You can add, that's what gift can do. Yep. A number of times equal to their proficiency bonus, they can add a proficiency bonus number of points of damage of uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's force damage to an attack. Yeah. So it's called their astral spark. I think. Okay. Um, I play one. So yep. every now, so two times when I'm fighting as my gif, when I'm shooting my gun, I, I describe you know blue lights lighting up in my eyes and traveling down my arms into my gun and firing out along with side of the bullet. Yeah. So we could do like a couple, a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. You can uh, empower your attack with your own essence of Iliaster, forcing a revergence roll. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah. probably, that's, you know, kind of reskinning that. Yeah. Don't sue us. Yeah. Um, well, and how about, I don't know, I was thinking too, though, because I'm thinking of spells, but if I have like essentially a, it almost seems weird that if I have like, okay, so this this is coming from like how Warforge can become, can be affected by a vampire bite now. Sure. Like, it just seems weird that that's the case, mm-hmm. that they could be, you know, um, but I feel the same way if something is a Niliastrian and you use like thorn whip on it, it just seems like, it doesn't seem, I know, <laughs> you know, but like, there isn't a type of damage that's strictly plant-based, plant-based, chlorophyll-based. I mean, if you think about it, plants can hurt other plants. Yeah, that's true. That's a tree true. falls on a flower, it still crushes it. Yeah, and it. a thorn whip has a hook to it okay yep. yeah so i like the idea of doing the uh, but they can't be affected by vampires <laughs> well and a creature type i'm going to say i think they should be plants sure that's fine so yeah. that's already in and of itself actually mechanically huge we should okay. we should take that into consideration because mm-hmm. when you're not a humanoid all of a sudden things like hold person don't work on you oh yeah okay so yeah. that's that's something to take into consideration if they are a plant, then or a primal construct, mm-hmm. which oh, is it's a whole new thing. A whole new thing. Yeah, the primal constructs. Yeah. Um, oh, I like it though. I'm going to write it down. Yeah. That means that hold person doesn't work. It has to be hold monster, which is a higher level spell. Right. It means that if the target targets one humanoid, it doesn't work on them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I like primal construct too because. I, don't know, I always think of these <laughs> family loses their family dog and they wish it was back and all of a sudden it, it's a primal construct now but it's like a hellhound type of thing yeah like you could play with stuff like that pet cemetery the estrock version yeah oh yeah that'd be great yeah <laughs> um so this is cool because it gives you a language it gives you some skills mm-hmm. and it gives you some special abilities to attack and so size wise do you think that they should just be able to be any size or they should be like big sons of guns I think they should be able to be any size. Okay. Because so we don't know... need to give them powerful build. Like the half giants and the gif have powerful build, which right. gives them advantage on athletics checks, and they count as a large creature for the purposes of grappling and things like that. Yeah. Um, I know I like the idea of you being able to have a small one or a giant one, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we know. just say they're, they're of different sizes, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, It feels like we've moved away from these sub-versions, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. Is that bad? No, is you, it are you okay with is. that? Yeah, what fine. are your feelings? Tell me how you feel about that, Josh. I feel fine about it. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. You're being honest with me and yourself. Yeah, but I'm lying to the listeners. But Oh, know, yeah, well, they deserve it. Yeah. I'm just kidding, listeners. No, you no, don't no, deserve no, of that. Course not. So, yeah, no, that's fine. Okay. I mean, it'll, and because it, again, because nothing is set, and it's like, well, right now, that seems like the natural way to go, but if as we discuss and go further, we're like, eh, maybe we go back to the mm-hmm. sub, you know. So, I immediately started thinking in terms of adventure creation and things like that i like the idea that iliastrians because 
they purify Iliaster mm-hmm. are also victims of evil scientist wizards. Okay. I love the idea of Iliastrians being kidnapped and like cold pressed for oil. Sure. Like, like an olive. Yeah. And like... Well, I was thinking, again, that was one of my, you know, definitely more generally more welcome and accepted down on the verge. Oh, yeah. And um, not know, as accepted in not the cities. as you're not as likely to see them in point reach um, for numerous reasons, because I really feel I kind of see them as if you're going to run into Iliastrians anywhere, it's down on the verge. And if you're going to run into a demon anywhere, you're more likely to run into it in point reach, mm-hmm. poking around, skulking about. That seems to be their dividing right. line in my mind. Absolutely. I love that. And I love that it ties some nice threads for narrative. Bring it back to the table again. Yeah. It divides. It creates some nice threads for narrative again. Mm-hmm. You can have people who you have a natural, it's sort of like the old fashioned, what was it? Uh, oh, it's still in the book. Uh, bugbears. Mm-hmm. Is it bugbears? No, it's not bugbears. It is hobgoblins. Okay. For some reason. And I think it's even still, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab my, my monster manual right now. Do you remember the thing about hobgoblins? Oh, you did tell me this. Hob-goblins, I know there is a thing. Hobgoblins have an unnatural hatred of elves. Hobgoblins. So now let's see if it still says this. It's something like they will attack um, elves before anything else. Yeah, because you did tell me this, and I it must still be in there, or maybe you just remember it. Because I remember then I was just like, yeah, like how blink dogs will go after a displacer beast no matter what. If exactly. they see one, they immediately attack them. Well, it might, maybe it's not in here anymore, but I remember. I mean, I would imagine it'd be in the original version of the Monster Manual. Yes. It seems like something they would revise out, but un- maybe unnecessarily. I would think it'd be fun. Well, I just remember, because I was reading the book, The Monsters Know What They Are Doing. And mm-hmm. by reading, I mean I was listening to it in my car, because I have it as an audiobook. Um, it's one of my favorite things to do, is like when I know I've got a monster I'm going to run, I'll listen to that chapter in that book, which is fantastic. If you have not read The Monsters Know What They Are Doing by Keith Amon. That sounds right. Um, if I'm wrong with that, I apologize, but I'll put a link to the book in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, the you should you can like I remember it saying like you know it's one of the most weird things in their stat block like they're the most ultra they're they're Klingons basically they're like super military right. organized and honorable yeah. unless there's an elf and then they just like lose their crap and they go that nuts. must be left over from early lore yeah, I'm not when they seeing were, it quickly here like when they were cribbing from Tolkien and stuff yeah it was and maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong and it's not hobgoblins but sometimes they build conquerors yeah hobgoblins Goblins never tired of combat. See, that's fully strong. work. Nobody knew that reading makes Yeah, no, I'm not seeing anything in here. Well, I mean, about... there's so many various things called. Oh, so maybe it's goblin. not. Yeah, yeah, I know. So one of the, I'll have to check that out because I'm just curious because I'm I'm surprised because I do remember distinctly there's some monster and I thought for sure it was uh, hobgoblins that just basically are super organized unless there's an elf. They always attack an elf first. Oh, okay. Like it's like written into the description. They will always doesn't matter how they will smart it will target be, the elf. They'll to, they'll target the elf first. All right. Um but we could have something similar with demons and Iliastrians. Like demons like oh an Iliastrian they go after them first. Yeah, every elf has cut off every hobgoblin in traffic. <laughs> and they never forget it. It's just honestly I find that kind of world building boring. Right. And reductive. It does seem weird. That's why I said it seems like this is like an old... This is old Tolkien holdover. Yeah, this is like a let's hold, you know, yeah, when we were cribbing and taking from other sci-fi to create D&D. Let's and orcs hating fantasy. elves makes sense a little bit, at least in Lord of the Rings, right? Because orcs are mutated elves. Yes. They're, yes. I believe Morgoth turned elves into 
mm-hmm. orcs. As opposed to Elder Scrolls, where all creatures are elves that aren't human, even the dwarves are a kind of elf, but they're all also a kind of orc that prefer to be called a kind of elf. Well, are you up on your Elder Scrolls lore? lore? No, not super. I mean, Neither I am I. Have... I just said something that probably would have ticked off a lot of people. That's okay. Because I do know that the, the I remember that the Dwemar, who are the dwarves, are yeah. just another branch of elves, and the orcs are just another branch of elves, and the elves are, wait for it, a branch of elves. That kind of makes Everything's sense, elves though. in Elder Scroll, but no I way. remember reading somewhere that like also they preferred to be called elves because they all were really, actually really orcs. And some of the, so the orcs are the first version and they evolved into the nicer elves hmm. and then the, but they come from orcs but they don't like it, people to know. Them. Oh, that would make sense though. That's I'm kind, kind of, of a fun way to do it actually. That's probably it's like it's backwards from what you would expect. Yes, but it kind of does make sense mm-hmm. because if you want to, you know, I, I create some interesting world lore. Yeah, that's that's kind of neat. Well, I mean, you don't you haven't read the Brandon Sanderson stuff, have you? Mm. You're not you're not a fan. I, that's um, it's not that I'm not a fan. I just don't read. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> um, the uh, in this what is it? The Stormlight Archives books. They go this whole time like wondering who are these things called? Uh, they're some sort of monster name, you know? And oh, these are the. I don't remember what it's called. It's been a while, but it's something like oh, the Forsaken or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that no, it's actually humans that were the uh, the monsters, and oh, okay. all the lore was written about them coming to the world and wrecking yeah, crap. Again, that was yeah, and that was the big Babylon Five reveal. Oh, that I never the, watched that. Yeah, Babylon Five had the Mimbari are the most advanced of the of the main citizen races. The Mimbari are the most advanced race in this world and due to a misunderstanding they waged war on earth because earth was kind of just spreading out into space is this the thing where they they show up with their gun ports open yes and that's to show i've seen exactly one two scenes of babylon 5 to show we have nothing to hide we have look we've got our gun ports arms wide open arms wide open and then everyone's like they've got their gun ports open right they attacked and there was they did eventually show that like somebody was like yeah but there's no sign they're powering weapons up they just have everything you know they're just showing anyway so they kill the big leader turns into this whole earth war but then they basically are about to completely wipe out humanity and then they stop it's called the battle of the line nobody knows why but it turns out it's because we're recycling souls if a mambari dies they become a human if a human dies it becomes a mambari oh that's interesting. and they were killing themselves so that's why they stopped and so that kind of gets revealed as the show goes on so well, I, the other scene that I remember is something about colored crystals on a wrist determining who you can marry. Yeah, they probably had something like that. Neil Gaiman wrote an up, uh, wrote I think two episodes of Babylon. 5. Did he now? Yeah. He also wrote one of my favorite episodes of Doctor Who. One of the best episodes of Doctor Who ever. Period. Yeah. Period. Yep. Um, I just wanted to say hello. Yeah, I know. Oh my god, it's painful. It's every time I watch so it, it's good. the best. Hurts yeah. so good. So good. Um, another ood. I failed to say. <laughs> oh, the poor ood. <laughs> As he said, fear me. Fear me, Doctor, for I've killed many Time Lords. Fear me, I killed them all. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the best. Because Neil Gaiman is a darn good writer. Yep. He Fear really me, is. I killed them all. Very exciting. He's a you know, completely non sequitur. Did you watch the trailer for Good Omen oh, yeah. season yep. two? Yep. Also something I'm very... Because, it, again, it ties to my favorite author of all time, mm-hmm. uh, the late, great Sir Terry Pratchett. So. Very close friend with Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. Literally gave him permission to do this, which makes it fascinating. Yeah, they they had this idea. It was, it was they had the notes from their idea for a second book that she never got around to writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's Terry great. Pratchett told him, if you ever get a chance, do it. Yeah. You got my blessing. You got the notes. Let's do it. Um, in other RPG news, I was talking, you, you said something. I, was, I noticed a role-playing game that I want to pick up. This, would, would this that be a random kind of, encounter? Yeah, Wait, is that, is that a, hold on. Yep. Random encounter. Yeah. That okay, now random. we got that out of the way. <laughs> um, 
So well, we made that, and then we hardly ever did random encounters anymore. I know. <laughs> well, it's also the fact that I have to adjust the volume every time I press the button. Yeah, well, the, well I'm not an audio engineer. Yeah. Um, no, I I really want to pick up the old Gods of Appalachia RPG. And That's a fun podcast. It, I That's for okay. Sure. So it's yeah. a beautiful podcast. I need. I should maybe if I subscribe to their Patreon. Yeah, maybe if you Patreon because the ads take the ads because they're so short. Yeah, the episodes are short, short, and then yep. there's a ton of music at the beginning and ads. Yeah, and I feel like I'm every time I'm just getting into the story, the episode's over, and I have to wait through the ads and the music again. And they do so good at setting the mood in yeah. every episode. Like you really, the mood really is set lay for the ground. The whole 15 minutes before it yep. ends. Yep. Yeah, I agree. So that drives me nuts. But so maybe I should subscribe to their Patreon. Maybe there's a version without ads. Um, but I love the atmosphere of that podcast. Oh, it, it, it must be ideal for like you know two hour campaigns like you tell one story and you're done well that's right? what i'm thinking so i saw i i noticed they did a kickstarter for the old gods of appalachia uh role-playing game i did not back it at the time i was being very very judicious yes. in my yeah. kickstarter a lot of backing. things seem to have snuck into that zone where you were being judicious about your kickstarter i know seriously it's like i'm just gonna take a break from kickstarters and then like all this cool stuff happened. yeah like, here's all this cool stuff um but you know i also have a giant box here with 200 dollars worth of avatar the last airbender rpg materials in it's true that are, it's still in the box um mm. but i want to pick up the old gods of appalachia which uses the cipher system which i will admit that i'm also not very familiar with so the, ci- the cipher system is the more it's monty cook games yep and that's and more the talking right it's more story based i don't know I, I don't actually think that's accurate i i mean i was just i think that it is I don't know any. I can't say anything about yeah, it because I, I don't know about enough. The cipher system. I, I think all I know of... is from listening to um, Mike Shea's podcast when he does his lazy DM prep or lazy GM prep. So cipher is Numenera, Numenera, right? Numenera, Numenera. is the like the the sci-fi fantasy. You know, I'm world. thinking of Fate because Fate is more story mm-hmm. based, yes. less mechanical. I think Numenera is fairly mechanical. Um, it's just a different kinds of mechanics. Yeah, but I would be interested if I can pick up the old gods of Appalachia. And not have a book on the cipher system and still be okay. Yeah. You know, if we, on Juneteenth, if we go to Rochester to the game stores, they all have the cipher system core book there. You yeah. always flip through but it. But do you think they'll idea. have the Old Gods of Appalachia book? If it's out. They, old they, Gods of Appalachia. They have everything. Like they have, Just they have, even they, saying it, yeah. I feel like I should have a banjo. It's the Old Gods of Appalachia. Yeah, that, that guy's voice is great because he's just like, and she had never been up there before. Never she before. Went there today. The darkness creeping all around. And those days when the swamp got into you, it burned to your soul. You know, whatever he said. And it God, it's yeah. just, yeah. but it's so atmospheric. And it reminds me of mm-hmm. True Blood, season yep. one. And yep. not True Blood. Oh, my God. Why did I say True Blood? I meant True Detective. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. Not vampires. It made you think Surly, of a, it made you nihilistic think of a lot of vampire sex, like a ton of it. Oh, okay. no, 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 no. Um, no. So then because I didn't have anything, <laughs> have you heard of the Night Witches? No, what is the Night Witches? I like so, the name immediately. So I'll just I'm just going to read the description because okay, that's all, all right, I really go. have to go on. But there was there was a night bomber regiment in World War II composed entirely of women, natural born Soviet air women. Um, these 200 women and girls flying outdated biplanes and uh, from open fields near the front lines attacked the invading German for- German forces every night for 1,100 consecutive nights. Uh, when they ran out of bomb, they dropped railroad ties. <laughs> What? Yeah. How do you def- drop a railroad tie out of that's a biplane? Definitely, that's definitely com- you know, communist Russia during World War II. Um, 
to each other they were sisters with bonds forged in blood and terror to the red to the red army air force they were an infuriating feminist sideshow but to the germans they were simply known as noxian night witches and uh night witches is a tabletop role game role-playing game based on the women based on women at war as a member of the 588th night bomber regiment you'll answer the call of your motherland in her darkest hour uh can you do your duty and strike a blow after blow against the fascists <laughs> Like this is oh the my whole God. premise. Can you overcome? Is this discri- a board game or an RPG? It's an RPG. Can you overcome discrimination and outright sabotage to rise above your sexist comrades? Uh, are there limits to your patriotism or endurance? Play Night Witches and find out. Night Witches requires three to five players who will take turns in the role of game master during game. It can be played for a single two-hour session or expanded into a literal campaign following the regiment across the entire Second World War. Either way, you'll tell an epic tale of heroism, sacrifice that honors the women who did it for real. Holy poop. Isn't that neat? That's very cool. It's like I came across that a while. I was like, that's really, really cool. Uh, in play, yeah. you will alternate between day and night with unique moves for each. So, yeah. yeah. I'm just adding it to the list of RPGs I want to own. Yeah, doesn't it? I read that. I was like, what a great idea that you, you know, because mm-hmm. they must have campaigns. They must have a real good idea. Mm-hmm. I think that's fun. Yeah. I So, like, in the list of, of RPGs I want to own, because I would love to at some point play them, um, is Blades in the Dark. Yeah. yeah. Mork Bork. Uh, I have Vesin. Yep. I yeah, we definitely. Fate. And I want to do Tales you from have, the Loop. I have the story for Tales from the Loop. You have Tales from the Loop, and we have uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord. Yeah, we got Monster of the Week. Monster of the Week, right? <laughs> yeah. I got Kids on Bikes. Yeah, we got, like, I got We're kids not slouching. Yeah. But now I need Candle Obscura from Critical Role. Right, yep. Um, Blades in the Dark, Mork Bork, and... Um, well, and if we can do Mork Bork, Vesin, and Tales from the Loop, it's all the same system. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's all free league. Oh, yep. awesome! I forgot that that's all the same yep. thing. That makes that easier. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of learning to do, even yeah. if it's just a read. I, so I'm gonna. That's how so Numenera. Okay, so here's my here's my confession. The science fantasy. Right. We we share this. It do, it doesn't do anything for me. Right. And I'm, I'm cool with science fiction. Mm-hmm. I'm great with fantasy. Yep. Never the twain shall meet. Though I did, we had this conversation, and I agree with you. I said except for Thundar. Thundar is my only exception. Well, Thundar's. <laughs> Oakla the Mock. I mean, you can't. Dun, dun, I never dun, watched dun, Thunder. Dun, I remember that. Dun, so. dun, dun, dun. Apparently, there's only nine episodes. I don't know, but it's very formative. <laughs> um, the Fabulous Sun Sword. Speaking of the Sun Sword, we yeah. need to schedule our next Strahd game for whenever we can have it. Yeah. We have lots of brunch games for the next month and a half. Yep. Um, so, uh, yeah, the uh, some cool RPGs. I really do want to look at that Candle Obscura. I'm sure there'll be a, yep. a version to buy. From Darrington Press, pretty soon. Oh, I also want to do Zweinhander, but I definitely want Joe to play. Yeah, the uh, Zweinhander, because I just am really attracted to that Zweinhander book that's got the uh, the Hellblazer like creatures on the mm-hmm. cover. Yeah, there's so many cool ones. And anyway, yeah, how, yeah. what time? How no, are we on time? We're, we're actually out of time. We're out of we're time. Out okay, of time. So, so yeah. <laughs> okay, so let me um, casually casually uh, segue say, into yeah. the scripted outro. And, Here we go. Um, and wait, wait, just make it natural. Make make it. Make it as natural as possible. Make it as natural as possible. Natural. Ready? And and that and that. Oh, friends. sorry. We gotta start again. Sorry. Could you give me a little bit more? I'm gonna do bit, more announcer. A little bit. Yeah. Wait. Okay. What kind of voice should it be? I'll try. Um. It should obviously sound like an 18th century barber. I don't even know what that sounds like. <laughs> Neither do I. But it makes something really <laughs> random. You, you just read it as okay. you ready and yep. action. And that, friends, is all the time we have for today. <laughs> Thank you again for listening and supporting. 
thank you for uh, thank you to Night Shift Radio for putting us out there. Thank you guys. And for any more information or to uh, peruse the latest drafts of our creations, visit our website at www.fourthpillarofplay.com. All spelled out. Uh, where you can also like, follow, or message us on Twitter or Instagram. We're big tweeters. <laughs> we don't tweet at all. I know. We tried. We and did. we haven't Instagrammed in a while either. Yeah. Our social media presence is lackluster. Yeah, but that's because our actual personal one isn't exactly I know, because we're just, yeah, we're not good social media people. Yeah. Sorry. We, yeah, but if you message us on it, we will we will notice you message yeah, us. Yeah, we if absolutely you, Our DMs don't. are it, open. Go it, for it. Yeah. Slide into those DMs yeah. all you want. Yep. And we will respond. I get so excited whenever I see... We, we picked up a couple new followers on Instagram this week, actually. Yeah, yeah. So... Including the, I believe, the delicious food truck, Forget About It. Because I looked at them using the fourth pillar and then they followed. <laughs> it's the food truck. They will be there Sunday, by the way. It's the Vietnamese oh, fusion yard. food, yeah. Um, but again, uh, thanks, everybody. And Thank you. Hey, and you know what? We look forward to creating more with you. <laughs>